Oh, oh, sorry, guys. I was busy reading then. Hi, welcome to the Shoes and Biscuit podcast. It's me, Alex Whiteley. And today I'm joined by um, a good friend of the show um, and one of our first guests. Uh, I really enjoyed the, our last interview. Mr. Ron Morgan, how are you, sir? You all right? Yeah, pretty steady. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, it's, it was really nice to catch up. I mean, I love to, when, we, when people come on the, on the Shoes and Biscuit, we make friends with people and we like to get them, get them back on anyway. And I think I said to you, God, definitely come back on and here you are i mean it's been a crazy journey with the biscuit it's been um three and a half years of hard work and um i just remember like i've been doing a lot of listening back to old shows and stuff because uh i'm re-releasing our vintage uh our vintage episodes look guys on our youtube <laughs> a lot of older episodes we're re-releasing them and it, when i look back at how the shoes biscuit began and where it sort of is today and how it's grown and stuff i think about how grateful I am for for the great guests that I had at the beginning, like yourself. Ron came around, had a cup of tea, and had a chat. That's what it's all about, really. Indeed, yeah. and indeed, you've done a grand job. I mean, look how far you've come in all that time. We all learn as we go along, as well. But you've had some fantastic guests, and we all learn a lot about people in our community. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm go- I am going back. I've got this. Um, it's a tiny little Polly Pocket thing. It was from a um, a notebook, and you put your your, your business cards in it, and it's full of business cards from right at the beginning. And I, I was going through them, and I was like, "Oh my god, I should have spoken to them." Oh my god, I should. And I've revisited people that I said I'll get on the show, and this never happened um, because I'm I'm rethinking about how this all began. And you know, I was I was thinking about um, reeking whiskeys and Mike Hale, and um, my original idea for the biscuit was to add a story to um, as a, a, a shop sign. You know, you walk past something at the cop and you've never been in there before. Maybe if you'd heard a story about reeking whiskeys, you might pop in and say hello uh, if you'd heard them on the Shoes Biscuit, you know. and Exactly. And you find Shrewsbury... out where they are because you hear the name and you think, well, where are they? <laughs> yeah. And Shrewsbury is just like, it's just a, a maze of great little stores and little places you can find that you probably live, live here for years and not realize that that was there where it was, you know. It is. It's, it's unique. And uh, when we talk about... Um, uh, shop signs and the name of a sign. Um, there, there's history there as well when it comes to Shrewsbury. There are lots of <laughs> stores have been in the store before the store and the store before that, and the, you know lots of names have changed. And, and um, mm-hmm. I think it goes to show that your book, your new book, Ron uh, Morgan the Trouble. There it is, guys. Um, <laughs> that it's brilliant at, at explaining how things change. You know, especially when it comes to uh, to, to Luxy Tours and, and where you started and how things have changed over the years and how, how businesses move up and down, you know, model where you guys, you know, over the years things change. But, you know, there's these amazing stories that we, we can that we could tell people. And I think your book does a great job at that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so what, what made you write Morgan the Travel? Obviously, we, we, we got you on to bring you, we brought you, uh, we did the interview before about don't bring me flowers which is a very good book really enjoyed that um what made you um start writing morgan and travel what was the inspiration there well i think essentially it's been my life you know i've been over 50 years in the travel industry and um i think in many ways i wanted to leave something for posterity for the children family friends colleagues clients who fortunately but most clients became friends anyway and Mm. um I think I just wanted to uh, log as much as I could of it. I mean, as you see, it's a huge tome in itself. It's about 500-odd pages. And um, 
some people will be relieved to know that uh, the copy editors and various people uh, removed 100 pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, I'm not threatening a sequel. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> get me wrong. But um, hey. the, the, whole, the whole point is that uh, it's, it's just a, a bunch of anecdotes, but it is a bit of a chronologic um, look at travel, really, and how it's changed and how I've been involved in it. I think it's an amazing idea. I mean, like Shane came up with this amazing idea that we've never done before in the biscuit. We're kindly going to be doing something similar, uh, maybe away from the biscuit, something we're working on. Keep your eyes peeled, guys. Uh, but mm-hmm. it was uh, memoirs of a Salopian, right? So we talked to people of maybe the silver generation, I call it. Um, people that <laughs> drank in pubs that aren't here anymore, worked in places that aren't here anymore. You, you know, you have these conversations with people and you're like, oh, I remember that place. Oh, that school isn't there anymore. And these are the stories that we need to tell, isn't it? It's all about nostalgia and just traveling back there just for a little bit. Of course. And the great thing is, of course, as people get older, they've got lots of stories to tell. But once they've, they're not around, they're not telling them anymore, are they? That's exactly. why I think it's important to put it in well, through yourself in podcasts and what have you, but also mm. in books so people can pick it up anytime, you know. And I'm a big more believer importantly, in books. More importantly, I'm, I'm a big believer in the, in the books. It's not just old-fashioned. I think it's important, you know, rather than just uh, online because things get, you know, disparate online and disappear and what have you. So the book is there pretty well forever. Well, it's in the British Library forever, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's still, I want to. I want to thank you actually because it's a good time. It's been a while since I've really disappeared into a book, and you know, I, I was an avid reader for a while, and um, I'm busy, guys. I'm busy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I, I never have time to sit and just disappear into a book, and I miss that feeling of I've been reading for three hours. What? <laughs> so, yeah. um, I, I, I thank you for for getting me back up on the horse, shall I say? Um, yeah, it's really important to to revisit that. I've got to say though, um, bring me don't bring me flowers was a fictional story. This is a recollection of your memories and stuff. How difficult was it to go from a fictional story to uh, writing something that is factual? You know, even if it's just your memories, was that difficult? It was a slightly different process. Obviously, it was more personal, and everything instead of being created in your mind was actually being recalled in your mind. Um, and and fortunately, my good lady who I've travelled for at least half of that time, 25 plus years, um, she's got a fantastic memory. So I'd say something and she'd go, oh, no, it was, <laughs> and she'd sort of correct me. She's got a fantastic memory. She'll tell me what I was wearing 25 years ago. Now, hey, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't know what was happening yesterday. <laughs> My wife is uh, terrible when it comes to like movies and music and stuff. I can ask, I could be like, what was that film with Leonardo DiCaprio? A very famous film or something. She'd be like, I don't know. But when it comes to like a point she's got to prove, Oh my God! She be, <laughs> she picks yeah. out all the details. She knows everything. It's fantastic. There you go. It's about teamwork. You both have uh, different qualities and different uh, experiences, don't you? I want to say thank you to your wife as well for for dropping the book off. She cycled to, to my apartment to to drop the book off. Bless her. I really do yeah, appreciate. Oh that. Yeah, she she keeps pretty fit. She's either dancing or cycling or doing something. It's one of those right because I, I okay guys I, I may have mentioned this a couple of times I suffer from social anxiety so sometimes I won't act the way I should have or what have you and 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 your wife left and I was kind of like oh I should have invited her for a cup of tea oh my gosh she's gone oh, oh. <laughs> she cycled to me to drop the bug off and I didn't normal social etiquette would be like want to come in for a cup of tea but I didn't so you'd have been uh, lucky to nail her down she's usually off to another uh, gig or appointment of some uh, kind or other. <laughs> um what i loved about you well, i both loved 
it's, it's, it was a mixture of emotions. Is the, the first sort of chapter or two of your book was very honest about about your 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 dances with cancer, and I love that. Mm-hmm. By the way, I really do love that. You don't, you're not fighting, you're not battling. You're dancing with cancer uh-huh. um, because. I feel like cancer has is such a huge umbrella term. People go, oh, it's cancer. He died of cancer. You know, people don't realize that what actually goes into into that. You know, if it's not really affected you, if it has affected you, then you know. Um, but if you, you've spent a bit of distance away from cancer and it's not really affected you much, when you hear the term cancer, you don't realize that the intricate sort of tiny little battles that go into the war um, there. Um, how how hard was that for you to write, or was it actually quite easy to get off your chest? Uh, it was cathartic, really. And uh, but I think it was important to express to people, you know, it isn't a bed of roses when you get cancer if you're going to be treated for it and what have you. But the most important thing is, I think, is that word cancer immediately fills us with dread as soon as somebody says it. Oh, I've got cancer, or I've been diagnosed with this, that, and the other. But the reality is, when you get your head together, is well, okay. Well, how are we going to deal with that? You know, and it's been a bit more pragmatic and practical about it. Not always easy to do. You've got to have good people around you, people who love you, people who care, people who are forthright. Um, and I, and I think it's just important to express what my journey's been, and hopefully it'll give people inspiration and hope to to tackle it a different way. That's why I use the term dancing with cancer. You hear fighting, battling. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, we're in the trenches, and you are, you are to an extent. And don't get me wrong. You get some down days, you know, where you just think, what's it all about? But for every one of those, I like to think I have, a, a you know, plenty more positive and, and forward-looking days because it's no good looking back. Cancer's here. It's, you got to deal with it. But when, when you think I was told almost seven years ago, now six and a half, seven years ago, to go home and get my affairs in order, that's it, good night nurse, so to speak, you know, and you think, whoa. You don't hear it, to be honest. It goes over your head. And yeah, the book, as you know, it. expresses it. You know, you're you're like in a in a fog. Um, but you know, it's strange once you start applying yourself to it and, you, and and getting your head around it. There there are ways you can approach it. Not it doesn't work for everybody. Some people have quite a, a an aggressive cancer, uh, but that's why you have to hit the hit it and get the operations done, the procedures done, the chemo done, the radiotherapy, whatever it takes to slow it up and give you time. Because they're making advances all the time in cancer, and I think it's so important that that you know you always have hope. And and, and uh, every day, every day, as I say in the book, you've got a choice: you can give up, you can be negative, or you can say, you know, it's a lovely sunny day. I'm going out for a walk. You know, and is that positive. is that kind of what spurred on this book? Is kind of like, I need to get these down now while I can. It's a big. It was a big part of it because at the end of the day, when you're told go home and get your fears in order. They're talking about a couple of months, two or three months, you know, and yeah. to be here six and a half, seven years later, I didn't know that. So, so I wrote, I wrote, don't bring me flowers. Cause I always wanted to write an historical fiction novel. Yeah. Then I thought, Oh, whoa, I've got a bit more time. Perhaps I'll write something else. So I wrote a children's book. And then I thought, Ah, perhaps I got more time than this. So I started to put down the notes and, and work on Morgan the Travel. And blow me, I've been blessed with the time to get it done and published. I think it's. I do. I do think it's a, a brilliant. I'm going to say it's a brilliant motivator, but that's a really terrible thing to say. But you know, um, it, it really is. And, and what I loved about 
the the, the story um no, it's, it's your life i say the story of the book um is how the, you're like no 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 you know this is this is this is a diagnosis this is what's happening uh very slim chances of getting any sort of, and you, 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 you kind of kept banging that drum and you went and found the treatment that would give you that extra bit of time. And I think that that's really important. I, I've spoken to a few doctors over the years with, uh, with you, us, UK, you suck. The other show that I've got, we've got mm-hmm. a great partnership with TV Guestbert um, over in, um, in LA and in, in America. And they, they, they supply us with guests that we talk about. So some of them, we've been very lucky to speak to some very, very well renowned doctors. And one of them, um, is a, is a very well-renowned um, uh, biopsy doctor. And she came on on Pod Aid, and she told us about um, how you should take responsibility for your chart. Have a look at that thing that's hanging on the side of your bed. Know what you're looking at, and, and make sure you ask the questions, and make sure you take responsibility for what goes into your body, What know what's going, know what's happening to you, and, and make sure you press for those things uh, that may give you a bit, of a, um, you know, a bit of extra time or better understanding of things. Yeah, and it is critical to do that because, you know, these health professionals, they're under a lot of pressure and they're excellent. You know, most of them are absolutely excellent, but all of us can miss something slightly and it isn't intentional. But if you've got to keep on top of it yourself and if you don't understand something, hey, I didn't come from a medical background. My wife fortunately did you know, being in nursing. So she's been a great advocate and and supporter and and, uh, um, questioner, if you like. You know, she, she certainly, you know, pushed some of the consultants buttons at at times, you know, because we wanted answers, you know, but you also read up an awful lot on it. And they say about, Oh, don't go on Google or don't go on the (laughs) computer there. You know, Oh, you'll, you'll have everything. But the bottom line is when you lose my arm. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. People do get like, I mean, gosh, my mum used to have so many medical books. She wasn't computer literate. She used to have so many medical books. She could have been a doctor. I mean, goodness gracious me. But but she had to read everything instead of saying, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll put some cream on it or I'll do this or I'll do that and carry on with life. But, of course, when it's something serious like cancer and you know it's there, you know there's fonts of knowledge you can go to and areas you can go to and learn more about it, not least of which uh, our own sort of uh, setup like cancer research and people like that, you know, and um, you get Macmillan nurses. And of course, in our own society, we've got great people like Seven Hospice. And it isn't always about, you know, managing end of care life. It's sometimes helping you in that time, like when you got cancer and that to have sort of um, therapy treatments, you know, which make you feel a lot better. And that's the critical thing. We're trying to remove as much stress from your life as possible, whether you're well or suffering with something. It's a nice place as well. I've got a really nice cafe there as well. So <laughs> I met up with the met with the Lingus, Lingus Davis girls. Uh, shout out to those guys, uh, the fundraising team um, after Pod Aid uh, for mm-hmm. celebratory cake and uh, <laughs> just a debrief. It was nice, and uh, we were we were chatting to one of the uh, the the, the campaigning managers for Seven Hospice because they all work together, even though they're like separate separate charities and stuff. They all work together. They all kind of understand mm-hmm. the field a bit and what you can and can't do. And it's really nice seeing them guys chatting about what, what works and what, you know, it's really nice. And they introduced me as the biscuit guy as well, which I like. <laughs> it's yeah, a biscuit good guy. Man. Good um, man. When you, when, I mean, I've spoken to you about this before, as I've spoken to many authors actually on the show about how, um, that's my sock drawer, the famous sock drawer behind me guys, uh, well, angles and stuff. Um, there, <laughs> uh, and inside there, there is a little synopsis rolled up in a bit, in a thing for a book that I've had for a few years and I just can't do it. I've written the first chapter of this book. I can't do it. Um, because 
being inside the head is just a nightmare for me. <laughs> I just I struggle with how to put things. I argue with myself. No, you shouldn't put it like that. No, maybe you should. Maybe you're writing too much. Yeah. Um, how is it for you doing that that process when it's your life and you've got the facts there, but you're trying to put it all in order and remember it all? One is discipline. You've got to be disciplined and get up and write. Um, yeah. You know, to your own, you know, especially if you haven't chemo or something, you don't always feel like it. Um, but you, you've got to try and say every day, I'm going to write 500 words you know, or a thousand words, 500, I think is a reasonable target. And you say to yourself and you can write it down and you might not like it taking your point. You might not like it. You might disagree with it, but you write it all down. And next day you write another 500 and so on and so forth. And you move on after a while. You might say, perhaps because I'm having chemo or for whatever reason, you put it in a drawer, you rest it for four or five days. You go back and read it and you think, ah, that's not quite right. I need to change that. I do this. Um, it's a bit like writing poetry, you know, you, you something, put it, put it down, come back to it and you think, Oh, I think it'll flow better. If I write this, it's sometimes mm. good to rest from it, you know, but what you've got to get it down in writing first, don't leave it all in your head because you need to play with it. When you're looking at aspects of your life, can you almost storyboard it? Can you be like chapter one's going to be this, 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 uh, chapter three, we're going to talk about, uh, how I started in the industry and uh, the dreaded printer. Um, you know, all these kind of <laughs> things. Uh, can you, can you put them on a board and be like, right, we've done this. So we, uh, 40% of that chapter is done. Five, 50, can you visit, go back and forth or do you have to do it chronologically to make sense? Depends what you're writing really. I think, I think with a, uh, an autobiography or a biography for that matter, if you're writing those, I think it's easier to make it chronological from my yeah. point of view. That's not yeah. everybody's approach to a biography, but it makes sense because it's easier for the reader to follow. Yeah. Um, and you know, and the industry, the industry that you're part of travel is, has changed so much. I mean, even when that, since I was a kid, there's uh, when you go to a tra travel agent and it was almost like um, David Williams in, in, in little Britain. When yep. You know, the typing on the, on, on the keyboard uh, and they got the, the black and the, the black screen with the, the different colored right in. And, you know, it was, it was just a, 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 a weird, an amazing experience going to a travel agent and trying to find that hotel, that hotel and find the flights. And it was just very, but it, you go back further from when I was, you know, from a different generation and things that, that changed constantly. Right. I mean, like yeah. it, it must be an alien world back then compared to what it is now. Well, if you, yeah, your, your weapons to for um, contact were essentially a telephone and a telex machine, <laughs> you know. Um, and if you can imagine how busy, well, obviously COVID's messed this up, but in a normal uh, travel year, although life has changed and it is more 12 months now, when I first went into the industry, travel was primarily about the summer. There wasn't much winter sun holidays, winter ski holidays. There were there, but there was no volume there at all. It wasn't commercial. Um, and, of course, in the winter, anybody who traveled in the winter were invariably people who were mi migrating for the winter, perhaps to South Africa or to Australia. And they weren't flying there. For the most part, they were sailing there. So wow. they were gone for weeks and weeks sailing there. Wow. And then sailing back. So you can imagine they had to be the retired, really, didn't they? You know, yeah, they had really people who had time. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need, uh, I'm going to need four months vacation of my job. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work. But of course, life has changed because of the uh, the jet engine, hasn't it? You know, yeah, because of uh, aircraft and what have you. And the volume of people traveling brings the cost down. Yeah, 
course. That's what I was going to say, availability. You know, you go, maybe you go to Canaries now. You go to the Canaries now, there's like there's hundreds and hundreds of hotels, uh, whereas back then, probably a few, you know, um, I imagine it's changed an awful lot. Well, that's um, the strange thing, of course, for somebody like me, 50-odd years and people older than me that have travelled, they'll, they almost don't want to go back anywhere because the little fishing village they once knew is now all concrete. Yeah, I was going to bring you know, that point up. You know, Ibiza. Now, a place like Ibiza used to be very quaint places that people go and enjoy the sun. Now it's clubs and bars and crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's strange. When I, when I worked and lived in the states, we we used to head to various places in that sort of neck of the woods. I remember taking a trip down, which I think I mentioned in the book, uh, about to a little village in Mexico called Sierra Huatanejo, and. Um, Nah, it was a beautiful little village. Fishing boats on the on the beach turned up. Little little children all in their Mexican dress because that was the way they dressed, not just for the tourists. That was how it was. Yeah. And and now they're just all high rises. You know, Las Brisas, the Marriotts, all the big hotels are all there. And to me, it's lost it. It could be anywhere in the world. Yeah. And then you know the things that were a tradition. Are now a novelty like i remember very luckily uh one of our first places i got to go to properly but i say properly abroad my family's in ireland so i was always back into on a little plane there but uh-huh. that, that's not abroad to me that's going to me dad's you know uh, but yeah, like properly abroad, country though oh i love it i love it um yeah i mean these um it, it, at first it was in kerry um so we'd go to uh, dingle bay and then and he moved to bantry bay which is uh, uh it's in west cork which is right on the on, yeah. right on the, on the bottom oh, splendid um, places to explore especially ring of kerry yeah, it's uh, it was fantastic. So many uh, great memories of traveling there when I was mm-hmm. a kid. On the where we'd be on the ferry, where we'd be on the on the plane. Or, but like, yeah, the first place I, I, I very luckily got to travel was was um, Hawaii. Um, <clears throat> I was with the right girl at the right time, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, with the, what amazed me was these tiny little islands. I just the dot on the map had like the eleventh biggest city in America, Honolulu. Massive, huge but city. And I, I always made me laugh how they had this guy in a grass skirt and his job was to run through the city with a tiki torch and light lanterns as he goes along <laughs> for the tourists to get the pictures, you know? And I was thinking, yep. wow, that's how how ironic is that, you know? <laughs> no. but, but but then it's it, it's obviously feeding into what the tourist wants to see isn't it you know yeah. or, albeit fabricated you know and you mm. find it the same in you know places like fiji the south pacific islands the hotels at night as it gets to dusk you know the guys in sort of these uh same as you say really little sort of skirts of, of, of uh palm fronds and what have you mm. wander around they've got all the the makeup on and what have you, and they're lighting all the torches and it looks fantastic. You know, it really does look fantastic, but they would they only do it for the tourists. Yeah. <laughs> Go home and play on the Xbox afterwards. <laughs> well, quite possibly so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's one, one amazing journey to, to relive, relive twice. Cause I imagine like everything you've been writing in, in Morgan, the travel um, to, to get it into a book would almost be like revisiting all that back then was that quite was that because i've been having this battle with nostalgia lately right because um i love nostalgia i love looking at looking at nostalgic things when i was younger because it's really nice but there's always that longing to go back there right and i always think well you don't want to go back there alex because you were a bit fatter you were definitely a lot broker then uh, life wasn't as great there so let's just enjoy the memory let's not long to go back there um because life wasn't that great, but you sound like you had some great adventures, Ron, uh, <laughs> with your travels. Uh, 
you know, over 50 odd years, you're going to pile up a few adventures, you know, some of which mm. probably wouldn't have been good to put in the book, but the, but there you go. <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah, as you're younger, you, you experience different things. Um, you know, like when we went to the States first in the middle of the seventies, you know, that was now it's, it's, it's a given you just fly over. That's fine. But we went because Laker start, Freddie Laker started his cheaper flights, the charter flights, ABC charters, as they were called. Um, and it was because their costs came down. We went, you know, and um, and, and we we had some friends there um, that we could uh, at least hook up with to start with before we went on the journey. But what a journey that was. And it was America before it developed in our own mind with commerciality. It was still mm. the American of my childhood where you know, I was brought up with cowboys and Indians on television, you know, with um, Long, the Lone Ranger and the Cisco Kid and Opalon Casting, names you may not may not know here. But that's sort of what I expected to go out and see. And in the Wild West, it was, you know, mm. not quite as wild in the 1970s as it was in the 1870s. But, but it was the, nevertheless, the, the, the tenets of it, the basis of it was still there. I mean, I've spoken to a few people about New York, and I mean, I love speaking to people about America. I love them, American. I love comparing British and American culture. And you know, I've heard so many times about about New York and how, you know, you, you look at the movies and, and things, but like New York in the seventies, especially the seventies, eighties, probably early nineties, was just a dirty place. <laughs> you go there and you'd be like, "Oh, it's disgusting," because like you see it in the movies, it looks really glamorous. I have I've got this romantic idea of uh, Christmas in New York. You know, the yeah. home alone. And, big and it, it is fantastic. You know, you can you can get down there and go on the sort of skating rinks in, in uh, mm. New York City there in, or just sit and have a coffee and watch them. Yeah, by the Rockefeller Center. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's a fantastic experience. When I went in the 70s, it was dangerous. <laughs> Boy, yeah. it was. I'll tell you, we used to travel as a group at night with friends out there, about 13 to 15 of us, something like that, on the subway because you didn't go alone. <laughs> It's as easy wow. as that, you know. Um, but but then certain mayors arrived and, and cleaned up the city, and it's changed for the better. Well, you've got all this experience, Ron, and I'm glad you've you've taken the time to share your experiences with people because, like you said, these these experiences are just gone otherwise. You know, they need to be documented. Uh, did you did you? I mean, you, you've you shared a couple of photos in the book, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil um, because I think you guys should definitely pick up the book and read it. Um, but like you you shared a few pictures. Do you have many like film reels and 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 did you get a video camera? Any you know record anything there? Because I think footage like that is valuable, isn't it? really is yeah no pl plenty on video again especially from the last 25 years because diane was pretty good with that anybody who knows diane she doesn't like to be in the pictures but she takes a lot of them <laughs> photographs <laughs> and she's got a penchant she's very good she sees a picture you know it isn't just a yeah. click she sees something and that i would never have picked out and her videos are fantastic and it's lovely to watch old videos because as i mentioned in the book i spent a lot of my life escorting groups so I made a lot of friends with those people. But, of course, they're all in the videos too. So there's lovely memories of, of them as well and, and and some of the older ones. As we all get old, we, we disappear, obviously. Um, yeah. But it's nice to have the the, the smiles and the uh, and, and the stories for, of those people too uh, in, a, in a different venue. A lot of them were farming because we come from an agricultural county and the borders with Wales. A lot of these guys were farmers and, um, you know, uh, now it's their children running the farms, you know. <laughs> it's really nice and you know one of the things that struck me is you know i, 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 I was just reading last night it's about you sitting down with the bay city rollers you know um uh, yeah <laughs> all these all these amazing acts that would be 
uh, playing at hotels around uh, in during your travels, and I'm thinking, could you, could you like they're, they're like you know at the time, A list, B list stars playing at hotels around the world, um, mm. and you know you don't see that today. I mean, I've just come back from from Skegness, which is which is fun. We, we we learned a lot about ourselves as a family, but what I've got to say is the entertainment. What what I'll say about the the entertainment and the club, um, it was really good actually. Like they were very very good at what they do because so like even though you don't get like the, uh, the A list B list stars going around to these mm. resorts, uh, obviously this is this because there's so many of them now, you know, all around the world around the UK and. Um, I feel like there's more of an effort put into the the quality of the entertainment you get now. But they've learned a lot. The blue coats, the red coats, you know, it's very interesting. Yeah, and I, I think also we mustn't forget that a lot of the people who end up as stars started places like Butlins and Pontins as it used to be, and and those mm. sort of places. That's where they cut their teeth. Yeah. Uh, do you, how, when, when's the last time you went to a, a travel agent run? Um, and you know, was it like? Do people recognize you as, as Ron, the, the travel guy, or do you ever go in there and be like, oh, whenever you, you know, do you, do you share stories with people and travel agents and stuff? Have you done that before? Um, obviously, I, I do keep in touch with one or two people that I used to work in the industry with. Um, I don't tend to go into the agencies now. You know, they're, they're well, obviously, the last 18 months has, has, has been disastrous for them, and I feel yeah. so sorry yeah. for them. It's been tough, but Claire, who used to, uh, I used to work with, she used to manage um, the travel company we had, Ron Morgan Travel. She's excellent, and she's a Peaks Travel now. She's a partner in Peaks Travel, and she's a lovely lady, very knowledgeable, and they've got a great staff and what have you there. And, I, you know, I think it's come full circle, really, although, although people still look at the internet and try and do things themselves and what have you. To have the security and knowledge of going to a travel agent um you know we're very competitive in price as well if people weigh that up plus you've got them to fall back on when you, with different questions or if you've got a problem abroad or whatever and people forget that you know um because issues obviously do happen and it's a minefield at the moment isn't it with covid testing and all the visas that have changed as well with this coming out of europe and there's a, the, there's all sorts of uh, things that have changed there so i think the travel agency is still very important but to answer your question i don't really have a whole lot of contact with them now i suppose i'm of a certain age where they're all a lot younger you know the guys there but they may remember remember that i actually mentioned in the book i'll, I'll have an aside that I, I used to do some teaching as well travel and tourism and i remember going uh, i was invited into uh shrewsbury college and uh the, the the travel lecturer there sort of said right we've got a special guest today we've got somebody who's uh, well known in the travel industry meaning locally of course <laughs> and uh, they said who do you think it might be and i can remember walking in and a, a young lady at the back of the class put her hand up and she says, and this, uh, and the tutor sort of said, "Who do you think it is then?" And this girl sort of thought I was Thomas Cook, who died wow. about a hundred odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you taught my wife as well. You taught you taught Carolina. I did. Yeah, Carolina yes. is an excellent student. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, she that 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 really excited her when you came around uh, for the first interview. She said, "Oh, she taught me travel tourism at Shrewsbury College." So yeah. Yeah, no, she did very well, no. And, of course, with her background, with the Colombian background, there's a, a general interest there internationally, isn't there? 
Yeah, of course. And um, Colombia is still on the red list, unfortunately. I laugh. I shouldn't laugh. Oh, because, is it? Oh, dear. Uh, well, they're meant, to, they're meant to abandon the, the red list thing. Uh, well, not abandon yeah. it. They're going to uh, sort of put some measures in place. Because well, we're trying to get her nan over. Um, unfortunately, they just had, uh, last year they had a death in the family, and she's on her own. So we want to try and oh. get her so that we can look after her. That, so try and get her over. Yeah. Um, so that's been the, the battle that they've been trying to fight over the last sort of six months has been insane but um, yeah it's, it's been tough for families hasn't it you know i mean my, yeah, my son's um partner is um, a chilean and uh, lady and um all her family she hasn't seen them for three years you know it's it's so sad um yeah. you know i know you can go on skype and what have you but there's nothing like hugging your relatives is there you know i want some colombian hot chocolate uh, and usually someone's come back from Colombia and they can bring the hot chocolate because uh, they make it a very different way. <laughs> come in a big metal pot and a, a big wooden uh, like spindle thing and they, yeah. they roll it and it makes it a really nice cream and you have to use a special chocolate from Colombia and nobody's been over to chuck some in their case. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, well, it'll come soon enough, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to culture, though, uh, when it comes to culture and, and understanding sort of society and um sort of mainly sort of how lucky we are as a society, as British people, do you feel like it's really important to get out there and look at other cultures around the world? Absolutely. It's so important. If Unless you understand where people are coming from and how they're living or how they've lived, what they have to put up with, the poverty in many places that we just do. I mean, they, a lot of people work at a very low poverty level. I mean, we talk about a poverty level in our country and let's face it, you want everybody to have a reasonable standard of living. That's fine. But our poverty level is so far higher than a great many countries in the world. And, and it, it angers me a little bit sometimes when people talk about, I haven't got this and I haven't got that. They ought to look at and examine some other countries, especially in Africa and uh, India and um, lots of places in the world. Um, but it's yeah. all relative, isn't it? It's all our, it's, you can only see what's in front of you, can't you? Yeah. I mean, if you're complaining because you've only got five games for your PlayStation, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean, I know bread on the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I know poverty levels are getting worse here in the UK, and it's it's really affecting people. But at the same mm. time, when it comes to when it comes to I don't know, uh, being agoraphobic, or when it comes to <clears throat> not understanding about different cultures and being quite insensitive, I feel like you need to go and be there. You need to go and live it for a little bit. Definitely. I mean, uh, I've been to many, very luckily, been to many places and, and seen many cultures, and I like. I always say to my wife, I want to go off the beaten track. I don't like necessarily going to all tourist places. I mean, I've been to Skegness, which was just a nightmare for me because there's lots of people, lots of oh, flashy, flashy things for the kids to buy. And, you know, it's, it's all touristy stuff. I, I like to be able to just go and do what the locals do. Uh, so when we go to, like, when we, last time we went to Colombia, we went to Sipacara, which is a salt mine, which is miles and miles out of town. I went to La Calera, which is where they, which they have all these amazing food huts in the mountains. Um, beautiful, quiet places that aren't full of queues of people in bloody Mickey Mouse hats and wanting to queue up for things and cause chaos because uh, tourism can be quite damaging. Do you know what I mean? But like, either way, you need to go out there and just experience life. I think you know. You really do because you you understand not only their cultures, you understand religions. You learn about things like be it Buddhism. <laughs> you know mormons uh, animism nature there's all sorts nature, of things yeah. nature yeah i mean you learn a lot about yourself as well that's the other side of the coin you know uh, you, you know you, you start to examine your own views on different things and you uh, and i think it helps you a lot 
Yeah. There's, there's, there's a different holiday for a different thing, isn't there? Sometimes you need that holiday sitting by the pool reading a book. If you remember to take it with you, that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and speaking of like, uh, you know, Claire's been on the show before, Peaks, Peaks Travel. Uh, she's come on the on the biscuit before. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about um, sort of helping local sort of independently grown um, travel agents because, uh, you know, COVID has caused a huge, huge uh, issue mm-hmm. with the travel industry. Um, how, how can people sort of help? I mean, obviously it's all just too easy to, to book a holiday online now, but you encourage people to go to sort of independent uh, travel agents and, and book. I think it's critical for their survival because at the end of the day, you may not have that choice if you don't support them now, um, in, in the future. But I, I, for the reasons I mentioned before as well, the professionalism, the knowledge, the ability to find you a better deal, having a face, you know, be able to talk face-to-face with somebody who knows and understands and listens to what you want rather than tries to sell you something that is better for them than you, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think a local, uh, a local company, like everything you buy locally, you, you feel better dealing with somebody local. You feel like you're supporting the local economy, but you've got a friend in that business then, haven't you? You've got somebody you can go back to and say, I've got a problem with this or what about that? Whereas – yeah. On the internet, you try getting hold of some people. If you can't even get a reply to an email, let alone a telephone call. Yeah. And it's always nice as well. That, that I mean, talking about you know the older the older experience of going to the travel agents and booking a holiday a holiday. Um that it was always nice when you could t- you tell people when they're genuine. You could lean into you and be like, Oh no, I had a friend stay at the hotel, it's really nice actually. You really like the pool for the kids, you know. And then kind of like interactions are really important because they do they Very. understand the environment around them um Very. what's what's next for you because obviously uh you, you we've got uh I'll, I'll hold it up again guys morgan please please <laughs> get this book where can people get this book by the way um uh, you you can actually go to any uh good bookshop um and if it isn't on the rack they can order it for you um you can go to my publisher troubadour um and you can come direct to me of course you know to uh you know and there's, there's ways of paying with a credit card with me through paypal and and, and various things oh and etsy.com dare i say it online yes good good i'm glad that you you there's that's one thing covid did bring those that you know people just found ways of being able to sell things virtually and etsy was just a massive boost for a lot of people it was you know, so. it was yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, it, was, but, it was beneficial you're working working on a children's book, is that right, or is it out now? Or yeah, we got. I've got three other projects, you know. And again, Ooh. I I have to think about my mortality, so I work hard as hard as I can between the chemo cycles. Um, but I've 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 actually written the first draft of a second historical fiction novel. It's nice. a similar genre. It's Second World War again. It's based on the, a lady in the SOE, but it's based very loosely on a true story I was told that uh, nobody really knows. Oh. Um, so I, I, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to trying. I, I've got to go back and redraft that and get it to the publisher, and then it gets knocked around an awful lot, of course. Um, yeah. I'm writing a biography um, again. Uh, that came out of a, a conversation I had by accident with somebody, and uh, their mother was um, in the SOE in Cairo in the Second World War. SOE is Special Operations Executive. Wow. Um, and she was a. What the I think the best way to explain it, she was like a cipherine, a decryptographer, so a bit like the ladies and gents at uh, Bletchley, but she worked in the Balkan theater of war, so she dealt with Yugoslavia, Greece, 
um, Albania, those sort of places. And it was quite an interesting story that I was told. And fortunately, I've been blessed by her family have given me all her diaries and letters from the time. So I've got a lot to work with, really. But it's the story of her life. That was a huge part of it and a very important part of it. But it's the story of her life as well. And she she's a very interesting lady. Let me put it like that. Um, wow. So there's that one. There's the, the second novel. And there are, there are I've written, I'm finished now, actually, The Adventures of Toggle and Tarka, which is um, a black Labrador and a black Cocker Spaniel. Um, and uh, I enjoyed writing. I write it... Uh, Whereas my first children's book was was a story based on on stories from my my father and an uncle actually of a, a a Welsh mountain hill village in the 1930s. This is a story which is more modern day, um, and it is based on the, the these uh, two dogs uh, who are big buddies. And uh, actually, we've looked. It's based on st stories on two dogs we looked after, hay sitting. and um, they've got such characters we just couldn't help but r uh, write a story. I write it in the dr seuss type manner because i rhyme it all the way through we'll have um, to give it the uh the the, the timmy test <laughs> yeah indeed indeed i i would hope i would hope timmy and in fact you know those are those are your critics those are the people who need to read it really as well as the parents who hopefully will get something out of reading that to some of the children but it's also the illustrations that go with it my good lady diane is very good at that and this time the illustrations are going to be in a sort of Beatrix Potter style, sort of like, um, uh, you know, coloured, um, what's the word I'm so, looking for? Like a, sorry? Like a fairy tale sort of, the the, the pastel-y type colours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the sort of style. So it, it, it brings the characters to life. I love your creativity, Ron. And I, I love that, you know... <sighs> In the face of what you've faced, uh, to put it in a, in a way, you you haven't just like buckled that buckled under and and you know been defeated. You in not just you haven't just fought for your your own health, which you have done. You've done an amazing job with sort of making sure that you get through the you know your resilience. There you go. That's the word. Wiley. That, your resilience kind of is very I inspiring. Mean, it, it helps. In fairness, it focuses you. It gives you a focus as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it helps you through. But also within that time, and this is where I want people to realize you can live a life. I mean, in the, the last six, seven years, I've had two serious operations. I've had an ileostomy. I've had most of my liver's gone. Um, you know, all my bowels gone. You know, they're huge operations, but you can live on from it, you know, and actually in many ways live quite a decent life. But you still battle with the cancer, of course, or dance with the cancer, as I like to say. But the bottom line is I've been to Australia. I've been to Bhutan. I've climbed to the Tiger's Nest, as did the royal couple, um, you know, William and his good lady. And uh, all ambitions that you have. I've been back to India because I love the place and try to help with different orphanages there. Um, we've done loads of house sitting, just done lots of things. We climbed the height of Everest or the equivalent to the height of Everest. Congratulations for that, by the way. That was amazing. You raised so Thank much you. money. That was amazing. Yeah, Great we job. were lucky, very well supported by the kind people there. And obviously Lingen Davis and seven hospices were, were the beneficiaries. Mm. And, um, but the point is you can still do things, you know, you do them within on your terms. You know, I'm no Ranald Fiennes <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> but, but you, you achieve what you can achieve. And I think by setting targets, it takes away the focus of the thought of your mortality. Yeah, that finish line, you know, brilliantly put. 
brilliantly put because I was that's what was one of my questions written here was does the does the finish line the focus on the finish line help you? Um and you know, I think it's a really important lesson for anybody that's struggling um with, with sort of any cancer or any sort of illnesses that you know uh it's life is difficult anyway, never mind when you you're thrust with that in your face, you know. So I'm I'm glad that you you probably offered a bit of a life, not a lot necessarily a lifeline, but a bit of a drive. There you go. For, for people in your in similar situations to you, Ron. Yeah, be positive and, ju- and just look at all the good things. Look the fact that the sun is shining. Look that it's a beautiful rainstorm. You know, think that the leaves are off the trees and how beautiful the colours are. And I must admit, it has accentuated the, my senses that I, you know, I, I spent too much time rushing around doing different things. And I take time to listen, smell, taste, all those things that I never had time or I didn't think I had time for. Uh, and and you just do you take your time to do that now and i still you know i still get carried away with all the things i used to love and still love like watching shrewsbury town and depressing myself and um <laughs> you know all those sort of things but it's, it's in, thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i love it you know it's part of my life i love the club i love i love the football i love the hills around shropshire i love the going to little cafes when i can in, in town which we've got a great cafe culture in town now haven't we? oh yeah you know? and Oh, yeah. And 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 look forward to getting back to to seeing and hearing more live bands and music and and theatre and all that as it starts to thrive again. Yeah. Um, what what's the process of writing? Do you like to sit, sit at home and write, or do you like to go find a coffee shop to sit and disappear in? Uh, I, I I think you have to have a base and sort of write. But ha- what because we and I've mentioned this in the book a lot. We took to house sitting a number of years ago, and so we wander around the country, different places, and look after. A menagerie of things, not always cats, not always dogs. We've looked after llamas, sheep, pigs, uh, <laughs> horses, trick ponies, uh, oh, just a whole host of things. And it's been amusing. My my husbandry has gone from zero to I'm not not bad now. I understand quite a lot about <laughs> a lot of animals, you know. So you learn things. But to answer your question, the reason is we go to all these places and they're quite inspirational. You know, you go to different places. We go to the Welsh coast quite a lot to, to house it. We do – we've been all over Yorkshire, all over the country, but also been to places like Dubai to house it and look at look after – Wow, um, what an experience. Saluki hounds there. But actually, we use that as a base once we finish the house it to go and explore Oman and the empty quarter and that, which was fantastic. It was almost like going back to Lawrence of Arabia days. You know, it, it felt – I mean, Dubai – dare i say this it's nothing to write home about for me it, it suits some people ha- perhaps but to me it's it's just a creation in the sand there of, of a lot of skyscrapers and what have you which a lot of cloak and dagger stuff building. going on there yeah well Ooh. yeah exactly exactly but i like the oman somewhere like a man which is far more authentic as far as um the old arabian thoughts that i i sort of grew up with um so you know you get other benefits from there and uh, i've mentioned other places in the book i won't steal my own thunder um, you know, and things that we appreciated. One of the places that always shocked me was Marrakesh. Honestly, I don't know. <sighs> what experience that was. We got, we were like, let's go into the, the let's go have a look in the bazaars and stuff in Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. We got off the bus and oh my God, what an experience. So people walking up to monkeys and trying to say, oh yeah, you can see them all walking towards the tourists. You kind of like, oh my God, it was so on oh, my anxiety. <laughs> 
we, mm, we were well, supposed to go and have a look at these all these things but we we're like i just need a cafe we went and found one of the sky cafes because all the cafes were on the roof i was just like, well have a drink have some food we'll get a bus home because this is just not it was just so intense honestly yeah. yeah, Jim Elfenar, the big square there, which you obviously went into, where they they're wandering around you. My good lady, you know, I mean, she loves all that sort of stuff. But I, the first time we went to there together, this guy just came straight up behind me and put a snake around my neck. Yeah, and yeah, and, and my and my good lady hates snakes. <laughs> and, yeah, and to me, it didn't phase me at all. I thought, oh, that's quite amusing, you know. You know, he's obviously not going to put a boa constrictor that hasn't been you know defanged or whatever around my, around my neck it's, it's, and you realize where you are <laughs> you know but but we all take that differently don't we and and the, mm. there is a throng of people and that's not good for everybody um i happen to love marrakesh and i love getting out into the hinterland up into the atlas mountains to places like tamatirt and places mm. like that. it's a wonderful country morocco after beating track like i said that's 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 my ideal thing just take your time <laughs> go there and explore like indiana jones <laughs> yeah, there that's. you go yeah, that's my, uh, that's my that's my idol growing up as a kid. Indiana Jones going to find a nice time. You can't do that though these days. You can't find a, a deserted temple to crawl around. It's just not, you know. Um, you, you'd be su- you'd be surprised. There's still, still some places in the world that uh, you've just got to go a f- lot further off the beaten track. <laughs> there, there are there are times where even when you're with a, with a group of people. I mean, when we were in uh, we we're in Greece, we went on this boat trip where we went sort of diving and, and free diving and went in, in these underwater caves and stuff. And, you know, moments like that are what you go for, isn't it? You know, uh, jumping off a, of a cliff into the sea and, you know, I don't know. Those things are just the memories that you, you, you go for. Um, and then document in a book later, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're all, they're all buzzes. They're all experiences and they're all different levels for different people of what they want to tolerate. I always remember yeah. actually, um, I don't think I mentioned this in the book. I always remember arranging many, many years ago, um, a dive in a shark cage for somebody. And this was well before you used to see it on the television in documentaries and one thing and another. And wow. uh, this guy had obviously read about it and he wanted to do it. And so I had to try and source a place where he could go and, and, and do it. And, and I thought to myself at the time, I like adventure, but I'm not sure I'd want to do this. <laughs> you know? And I've since seen it. I've seen some of these sharks hit these cages and bend the bars and think, you know, I'm right. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I've got a few friends that would just absolutely no no i've got friends that can't even look at the jaws poster <laughs> without getting a bit like it's, it's and yet strangely brilliant. sharks are mis- misunderstood you know i mean yes of course you know i i know i'm, I'm not a great swimmer but i, I mean I, I i've gone snorkeling and, and swum with various things around me and thought mm, that's a shark <laughs> you know and you know, I wasn't knowledgeable when I was. All these sharks are wandering around me. Whether it's a tiger shark, a reef shark, or whatever shark, you just think that's the shark. And you know, there's a little frisson of fear goes through your body. Um, but then, the more relaxed you are, you realise they just wander around you and they wander off. You know, yeah. it's they're just inquisitive, like we all are. It's like every animal and human being. If you corner them, you'll cause yourself trouble. Yeah. Um, I always remember the first time I ever snorkeled. This is not a lie. And I've mentioned this on the show before. It's genuine. It happened. And it was one of the most magical moments of my life. And that, again, this is Hawaii. And uh, we were at this this big giant um, freshwater pool. Um, it's a, it's like a, get an opening so wildlife can come in and go back out again. And you, I, I, I put the goggles on for the first time, took the tag off, as you do, <laughs> put it on, put my head under the water. 
and then started swimming. And the first thing, the very, very first thing I saw was the massive sea turtle. And it was mm. swimming along, and I was swimming alongside it, and I, it was just looked at me like, "What, what, <laughs> what do you want?" And I, I very gently rubbed its shell, and it was full of algae. It was all all slimy, yeah, yeah. and then I swam. It was one of the most amazing things I ever saw. It was massive. They're almost prehistoric, aren't they? You know, they're yeah. huge things beside it's you, and it's a it's a great experience. You know, you're doing that in the live. You're not at Sea World or anything. You yeah. know, it, it, this is in the real open sea, isn't it? You know, or ocean there. Yeah, this lagoon. It's just like a, it's like a bottle bottleneck for for wildlife, so they come in and they can come out. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice. But Hawaii is fantastic. I mean, I don't, you may not have got to the section in the in the book yet, but I write a bit about Hawaii and uh, and the Arctic. I haven't got that far yet. I'm looking forward to it though. Yeah. Where did you go in Hawaii? Uh, all the islands, really: Kauai, Maui, Big Islands, yeah, Molokai. All the. All the oh, really. I want to go back. Um, I'm a big fan of Jurassic Park, and after I went to Hawaii and came, I realised that. Jurassic Park was filmed in Maui, and I was kind of like, "Right, we're going back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Everybody takes something different. Everybody's got an idea of experiences. In fact, the first time I ever went, when I, I first wanted to go to Hawaii, I wanted to go to Pearl Harbor. That was my main thing. You know, but obviously, life changes, and you you have lots of other ideas. Then you know, yeah. I would I would recommend that to anybody though because oh the way I don't know if when I went to see Pearl Harbor what they did is they had this this cinema and you you sit and you you learn about Pearl Harbor and the tragedies that happened and it's really like gut wrenching sort of documentary really mm. and then the screen sort of opens and then you literally walk through the screen onto a boat and it takes you over to the, the memorial they got on the on the sea there over the Arizona. Yeah. Um, and so you go from watching this documentary straight to over the boats and you just kind of like, Oh my God. And then you get to the memorial and the, 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 the silence and the, cause you like this memorial is just amazing. It's literally placed over the Arizona. So, and then they've got the names of every single person that was killed in the Pearl Harbor attacks on this memorial. So you can read the names, you can have a look around and then you can look over the, over the side at the Arizona and you can still see the fuel leaking from the ship. Yeah, it's just still insane. bubbles coming up, aren't they? It's incredible. Yeah. yeah it's unbelievable. I don't know when you went, uh, maybe it was a long, it was quite a while back we went, but we actually still were able to talk to two of the vets that were there on the day. I mean, obviously they were quite old when we spoke to them, so they're perhaps not, <laughs> or not, not around now, but what a fascinating to hear them talk about the day. You know, it was just unbelievable that these guys were sitting there and, and they survived the day and lost a lot of friends, of course. Yeah. yeah. You know? So if you ever find yourself in in Hawaii, make sure you go and check out Pearl Harbor. Indeed. Um, it's nice to see that the world is slightly starting to open again and stuff. Um, and it it is both very good and very daunting. I mean, I've, like I said, guys, I've just come back uh, just yesterday. Um come back from Skegness full of cold because we've been socially distancing like everybody else does. And then all of a sudden, boof, I'm in swimming pools. There's people around me sat in busy bars. And it's, I've got pictures of like, literally like, I think the place we're in sits 2000 people and it was full. Oh, and yeah. just to be in that sort of scenario with all those people for me, it was kind of like, Oh my gosh, like mm. beans in a Must can. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was good. I mean, we just got on with it, had a few beers, cat, cat, you know, like like you do. But it's always in the back of your mind now, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. and I have come back with the flu, uh, which is why we're not doing this in person. Obviously, I don't want to mm -hmm. make you poorly, one. Um, and um, you know, 
it's one of those things that's always going to be in the back of our minds now. So maybe we've learned a few things when it comes to travel um, because, mm. you know, not only are, are there problems with COVID, but like there's a lot of monuments that get damaged and lots of wear and tear when it comes to tourism, right? Mm. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. And, and that's the sadness, really. I mean, it's, it's this old story of, um, uh, you know, the mass tourism, really, as opposed to, um, you know, Tar- targeted tourism where you know you limit the tourists in there i think it's a we've got to look at that more and more a bit like the climate change factor you know yeah. you, you you've got to change that and it'll be better for everybody the experience will at the end of the day um yeah. but but money rules doesn't it it's a bit like you know it's not perhaps a great analogy but it's a bit like people climbing everest look how many people they get queued up on everest now and it's all about the money yeah of course it's sad. It's a root of all evil. With the root of all evil. Right, Ron, we're running short on time, obviously. Um, and you've been an amazing guest again. And I, I don't care if we redo the same this exact same episode again, but well, as soon as I'm feeling a bit better and you and you are too, uh, I'd love to meet in person and do this again. Um that'd be great. Just just to chat because I love chatting to you. I think you've you've got a world of knowledge that um I'm grateful to be seen putting books, but I feel like we could record a few podcasts and talk about your, your experiences and things. Cause I think we could learn a lot off you. Yeah, well, thank you for that. No, no. And we all learn, you know, like we did off our parents. And I think that's a critical thing in life really. And it's something I've learned more and more. I appreciated more and more in the last seven years is listen to people. Don't tell them as I've been doing to you this morning about my life and experience, listen to what their life's about and what their experiences you learn. It's as easy absolutely as but i appreciate it it's like paying it forward isn't it yeah. but yeah. Uh, take it from me kid you know that's what i'm taking from here you know <laughs> you're you're spreading your knowledge and it's, it's just amazing to hear um guys make sure you go and sort sort yourself out a copy of the book uh, morgan the travel um from the topic of cancer to the tropic of capricorn i love it it's fantastic if you're from shrewsbury you like nostalgia and you like hearing about things uh, back from way back when um uh, you'll definitely enjoy this book um I, there are a lot of things in there obviously from a different generation but my, like my mom used to talk about the basic rollers my mom used to love the basic rollers. so when you mentioned the basic rollers i was like oh my mom used to like them you know <laughs> but like <laughs> you you know, if you're from shrewsbury from yesteryear you'll you'll appreciate some of the mentions in there as well um so make sure you you sort yourself out a copy of that and make sure you go and buy um don't bring me flowers as well because that's an amazing book um and ron you, you are very talented and i wish you the best of luck with this book has the feedback been good have, have you had a, f- a good few people write back to you and say you, they enjoyed it do you know i've been blessed with it really you, you you put yourself out there and you you try and say you know well whatever people think i've written the book and now or what have you but the feedback has been pretty good i have to say you know and i like to hear good or bad or, or comments on it because that's the only way i learn too you yeah. know um but it, it i've been very humbled I really have been humbled and, 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 you know, if people take something from it, if they're amused by some of the anecdotes, if, if they're um, inspired by some of the, the things I, I, I've done since having cancer or, or encouraged to be more positive about life, uh, anything that they take from the book, uh, you know, it'll mean it's been worth writing. Well, I think you're amazing, honestly. So thank you for coming on. And what I need to do now, though, Ron, is I need to do a bit of housekeep- uh, housekeeping. Tell people about a few things that's going on in the biscuit, if you don't mind, sir. Not um, at all. Thank we you have the opportunity um, of talking to you. Oh, no, it's been amazing. It really has. I love I love talking to you. And, you know, your stories um, will go on to live forever. Um, so make sure you guys buy the book because, uh, I mean, I, when it comes to, like, this sort of stuff, 
have you got lots of stuff written down that you can write more and more books with, like with, with the information that you've learned from around the world? Oh, I, I could have probably written that book three times over, but you have to be a bit selective. And yes, even at, you know, at 512 pages, let's face it, if you don't like the book much, you can use it as a doorstop. <laughs> throw it at someone. <laughs> don't throw books at people, okay? Uh, <laughs> we're doing this amazing thing, uh, Ron, at the moment called Horses and Biscuits. It's a fun little show that we're doing with our friends over at Rockin' Horse Studios. Uh, Gareth and the team there are making um, – uh, they're making a 90-minute um, pilot called Karen. It's a it's a it's a, it's a drama based in a nursing home, um, and they are at the moment they're auditioning for parts. Uh, we did our first show last Sunday. Uh, it's a live show that we're doing every every two weeks, and they were they, they we introduced we got introduced to the Izzy uh, the Izzy character that been um, won by via audition by Orla Jones and uh, we did a great show with them we've got another show coming tomorrow obviously this this show's going to go on a couple make sure you go back and check it out on our YouTube uh, we, we're going to tell you about the the, the Alid auditions um, could this Alid be you it's amazing I've never sat for an audition before I got to do the Simon Cowell thing and sit on a panel while peace, people are these amazing actors that could doing things that I could never do are redoing these uh, these scenes playing these scenes and I got to give my opinions and stuff and I got to say um, I didn't like it I loved it and I, everybody laughed because I always wanted to say that <laughs> that's pretty neat isn't it that's great another experience alive it was amazing, uh, and they found the new Alid, but we will tell you on the on the show. Um, also, as well, like I mentioned to to Ron earlier in the show, we're doing our vintage biscuit, uh, and it's basically only on YouTube. Um, we're going to be releasing all of our classic episodes of the Shoes of Biscuit. We're over 300 episodes now, um, which is fantastic right. feat. Um, so make sure you you pay attention to that. Go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, and then you'll be able to, you'll have access to all this. I'm going to release this on YouTube as well because it's visual. Why not? Um, I want people to see this as, as many people as possible. Um, you can also go to our website as well, which is the Shoes with Biscuit Podcast.co.uk, and that's brought to you by our friends at Web Orchard. You can see there they make amazing websites. If you do need a website, if you if you're selling something on Etsy, if you have a tourist place, if you have a book you want to sell, whatever you want to do, if you need a website, go to Web Orchard. They will sort you out. And I don't mean to mix things up. I'm drinking out of a Reach cup here. That's that's one they gave me from <laughs> from from Pot Aid. Um, but yeah, uh, Ron, you've been amazing. Thank you for chatting to me. Seriously, well, thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, and God bless you. Thank you. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot to mention quickly. Uh, we need. We're looking for new biscuitiers. Uh, uh, Shane has got a new job. He can't join me anymore on the show. We can't commit, which is a shame because I love him. But for now, he's stepping away. Jules is moving to to Scotland. Um, so we need uh, a new biscuit. So we need. I need a new co-host and I need a social media person. So if you're listening to this and we still haven't found someone, please get in touch via the website or via our, our, our uh, Gmail, which is shrewsbybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please get in touch. We're looking for people. If you can hold a good conversation and be a good ambassador for the show and for Shrewsbury, please get in touch. We need to need to hear off you. Um, right, what I'll do is I'll play the outro music. And um, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Stick around and uh, we'll have a chat afterwards. But um, thank you, listeners, for joining us. Catch you next time. Thank you once more. Peace out.